Good morning. I'm Duarte Geraldino. And I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. This week, Duarte and I are sitting down with journalists to help us mark one year since the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a global pandemic. Today, we're looking at how and why COVID-19 is hitting young Black American men so hard. During one of the peaks of the pandemic last summer, Black people ages 35 to 44 were dying at nine times the rate of white people the same age. Earlier, you know, there were people who, if you were white or if you were from more affluent communities, didn't know anybody who had died from COVID. Their their social media feed didn't have any kind of RIPs on it. Whereas people from, you know, black communities, immigrant communities, lower income communities, their social media feeds were quite often full of loss from the pandemic. That's Akila Johnson. She works at The Washington Post, documenting how racism and social inequality affect health. But for much of the pandemic, she was a narrative healthcare reporter at ProPublica. She says there's something about being black in America that makes you more likely to die from COVID-19. On average, black Americans are getting chronic conditions 10 years younger than their white counterparts. Their bodies are biologically aging faster than their white counterparts. To understand why, she points to the African-American folktale of John Henry. It's the story of a railroad worker who took on the machine and won, literally. You know, he's competing against the steam drill. The part of the folktale that quite often gets overlooked is that once he beats the machine, he drops dead from sheer exhaustion. John Henry was a steel-driving man who died with a hammer in his hand. So in the story of John Henry, what did the machine represent? and What did his effort represent? The machine is social inequality, lack of access to health care, hospitals and community that are, again, underfunding, undervaluing, disinvestment of resources, redlining and segregation and the way that that creates and shaped community. All of the fighting and the pushing back against those barriers and boundaries and that structural inequality, that's where the stress comes from. For a long time, it was believed the reason black men die younger and have higher rates of hypertension, obesity, and diabetes than white people was a matter of personal responsibility, eating badly, unhealthy lifestyles and behaviors. This theory, however, of John Henryism challenges all that. It argues the stress of racism, of fighting to get out of poverty, that is what is literally making people sick, that it physically changes bodies. So your modern-day John Henry is pushing back against the constraints of society. And in that effort, in that vigilance to thrive, not just survive, but to thrive, it's the stress that that causes that really has significant consequences to people's health. ProPublica interviewed the friends and families of dozens of Black men who died from COVID, and they found a commonality. More than once, we heard people say, you know, that He was the pillar of the family, pillar of the community. They were the folks that people went to when they needed help, when they needed encouragement, when they needed support. Now those people are gone. Akilah, 
Tell me the story of Joshua Bush. Joshua Bush, I'm smiling and, you know, I'm on a podcast and here I am smiling when I'm thinking of Joshua Bush because I'm thinking of conversation I had with his mother where she and his wife where they talked about how much of a superhero kind of sci-fi geek Joshua Bush was. And his (laughs) wife often said, you know, she would say, "Okay, I can't quite go that deep into the force with you. And I say that to say... He's a nurse, you know, CNA, working his way to become an RN, working in nursing homes. And I'm also thinking about the conversations his wife and his mother had with me when they talk about the way white patients recoiled when he went to go care for them. What, what, what do you mean? Physically would recoil and say, you know, something to the extent like, I don't want that black man touching me. I don't want him helping me. And, you know, his mom would say he would just kind of smile and shrug his shoulders and say, well, you're missing out on all this great care. And I started with the story about the sci-fi fan because his family says, you know, those patients who reacted that way didn't see what we saw. They only saw a large black man coming in them. They didn't see the sweet, caring, kind man who had showed this kind of predisposition for nursing and nurturing as young as kindergarten. There's something powerful and there's something illuminating about how, in those moments, his whole existence could be reduced to outward appearance. And that, and to some extent, is what John Henryism is about. It's about pushing against and fighting against those constraints and then what it does on the inside, what's happening under the skin. So when his patients didn't want him to touch them, it's as if they didn't see the superhero that he was. Exactly. Joshua's wife told Akila her husband's stress was visible all over his body. And then the pandemic hit. And so at first they thought he had the flu. So they're monitoring his symptoms. But his wife says, you know, they they woke up, I think it was a Saturday morning, and he just looked at her and he said, no, babe, I need to go to the hospital. You know, I I need to go to the hospital. And so they go to the hospital. And that was the last time she saw her husband alive. Because soon after she came home, she tests positive. And he passed away. While she herself was healing from the coronavirus. Then there was Eugene Thompson. His story shows the cascading effect of one life lost. Eugene Thompson as a barber in Mississippi. And he'd been cutting hair since I want to say he was about 12. And he grew up in a town where segregation had, you know, legal segregation had ended, but it was no secret that there was kind of the dividing line in town. And he thought, well, if a black man can be in the White House, why can't I have a barber shop in kind of the white business district in town? And so that became his focus, and he did that. He gets his barber's license. Then he realizes he needs to open a school. So he's opening a school to train more barbers. And then he realizes, well, I need a place for my students to cut hair. So he begins to open up a second location. So now he's got two shops, a barber school, and he is working to not just, you know, help the folks in the community look good, but also providing career paths, an opportunity and entrepreneurship for other folks 
in his community. So he was attacking the problem along the entire supply chain from exactly. a lack of skills to a, a lack of a place to deploy those skills, making sure people had places to cut their hair. He was doing it all. This was the modern day John Henry. Modern day John Henry. Then comes COVID. Eugene's mom told Akila, none of this was easy. Her son was running himself ragged. At the age of 46, Eugene was severely overweight. He'd struggled with respiratory issues, anxiety, and sleeplessness throughout his life. High blood pressure and diabetes also ran in his family. He died of the virus in early April. And when he is struck down by the coronavirus, because no one else in his family has the proper credentials and license to keep the barber school and the barber shops open, that supply chain you just mentioned, it shuts down. And so that's the ripple effect, not just for his family, but for the community, because they weren't able to keep that going. And so when people talk about the amount of loss and the loss from COVID, you know, it's loss of life, it's loss of opportunity, it's loss of support, it's loss of mentorship, it's loss of guidance for entire communities. It's really devastating. It really does kind of begin to overwhelm the imagination in a lot of ways. For all the modern-day John Henrys and the people who love them, what advice should they draw from your work, from this story, from this phenomenon that striving so much, dealing with the stress, could make you more susceptible to COVID-19? You know, it's interesting. We asked the researchers who study Black men's health, kind of what should we take away from this? What do we learn from modern-day John Henryism? How does that influence what doctors should be doing? At a most basic level, relax, you know, find ways to relax, find ways to relieve some of the pressure, you know, from the valve. And that is easier said than done, but it is crucial and critical to find ways to relieve that pressure so the valve doesn't burst. If you beat the machine but die in the process, it's sort of not worth it. Well, the point is to beat the machine and not die in the process. That is the goal That's what we're working towards. Akilah Johnson, thank you so much for being on Apple News today. Thank you. Duarte, listening to your conversation there with Akilah, it just makes me think about the ripple effect. You know, the way that COVID has created so much loss, not just right now, but also for the future. Yeah, Shamita, this is what happens when you lose people who really are the pillars of a community. You can find a link to Akilah's ProPublica reporting on our show notes page. Plus, some of her more recent work from The Washington Post, where she looks at how the infrastructure in some communities of color may delay vaccine distribution. Tomorrow, we switch gears and speak with Jen Gann. Jen Gann is the features editor at New York Magazine's The Cut, and she oversaw a series called All Work, No Pay. It looks at all the different ways that women have suffered economically and emotionally during the pandemic. I think that work is something necessary and important to my life, but my outlook has definitely changed. I'm very tired, to be frank. I'm very tired after this year. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. And while you're there, check out some of our audio stories. We'll talk with you again tomorrow.